everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it is your first time pushing play today, first of all, thank you so much for jumping in with me. Here's what we like to do. Every single week-ish, we like to find people who are ahead of us and have conversations about what they wish they had known sooner, because you will inevitably find yourself in a moment where you look up and you're thinking, how has no one told me this was going to be this way? I can promise you someone has been where you are, has walked through what you've walked through, and I hope that you find them here. So today, this topic came about mainly because my kids are now older and it is less about survival and keeping them alive and like fed, make sure they sleep. And now we're like for real parenting. Okay. And I have had to find people who are ahead of me in parenting because this is very difficult, very hard. So we have Kristen Guerin back with us again. Now you might remember her from one episode we did about how to support people who are walking through infertility and we did it with her sister Morgan or when we did it back to school because she is also a teacher and as fate would have it, she is now my six-year-old's kindergarten teacher. So Kristen, we're so happy to have you back. I just, it's always a good time. Oh, thanks, Kelly. <laughs> happy to be back. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to point to you and you should start talking. So I was ready for it if you needed it. <laughs> Got it. I, before we even pushed record, I will tell you, and she's going to squirm under this compliment, but I laugh so hard with her every time I'm around her. Like, it's just, we can't pull it together. And so that's, I don't know what that means for today's conversation, but let's rein it in. Yeah, we're going to try, we're going to try our hardest, but let's recap for him real quick. I've known you since high school and weirdly enough, we went to your senior prom as a double date. Yes. (laughs) Back in the day. Mine worked out. Yours did not. You married your prom date, which was great. Tate, you haven't married how long? 15 years in June. Are you doing anything for the 15th? We are taking a, a road trip with the boys to Yellowstone. So we will be in Yellowstone. Road tripping? Are you taking your RV? We're taking the RV. Yeah. I forget you are you are the RV life. People. We love it. We love it. This is our a three-week trip. So it'll be our longest trip. Didn't you drive to New York? We drove to New York. We've driven to Maine. All yeah. the way up. All the way. Okay. How does this work in such a small space for that long? It is the happiest time ever. We are all just so, so laid back and so full of joy. You'd think we'd be cramped and cabin fever, but but we just we just love it. It's that just wonderful. blows my mind because you have two boys, one in third grade and one in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And they don't ever get at each other on these trips? Sometimes they do, but we've got a space where they can go play up front or they can play in the bedroom in the back or you know, when we get where we're going, they're outside. So they're not inside. They're too tired by the time they get inside at night to be fussing and fighting. Have they always played well together? They have. I mean, they really like if you ask one of them who their best friend is, they always include their brother. <gasps> really? It's so sweet. Yes. That is... now, they, they fuss and fight, of <sighs> course, you know, but they really love each other. Which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I truly do. I look at people who have kids that I want my kids to be friends with or that I want my kids to be like and I want to have conversations with the parents and be like, how did you do this? And I've probably told you till I'm blue in the face how much I love your kids. Your oldest just went into middle school this year and you hear horror stories about this transition of going from elementary school where it's a little more controlled to middle school where everyone is hitting puberty, everyone's hitting their growth spurts, everyone is changing. What has it been like for you watching your oldest transition from 
elementary school into middle school. Was it as bad as people say? Was it difficult at all? Or well, I mean, we were we were all really, really nervous about the transition, him him included. But it has been wonderful. He is really coming into his own and finding the things that he likes to do that brings him joy that he cares enough to practice and to work hard at what he's good at. And I think that going into middle school, he already kind of had his people. And that is what made it so, so easy. He's just got this great group of friends. And they're watching this one's dance recital one day and this one's homecoming thing the next day and then ones at someone's cross country and then we're watching somebody play baseball. And early on, a friend of mine told me about social engineering. And, and I don't mean like in a manipulative way, but like an intentional way of being very intentional at talking to them about how to choose good friends and making that time to get to know their friends and get to know their friends' family. So by the time he was ready to go into middle school, we've got this whole group of a support system that we're watching out for each other's kids. And I think that just gave him the confidence to kind of spread his wings. That's what I was going to ask is how much you were involved in building that community with him. Because, you know, we know from our own experiences growing up that it really didn't matter who you spent time with. We saw that as we got older. And now in hindsight, we know it even more. So when you're helping your kid make these connections, how do you foster that community? Well, I mean, like you said, it started when they were little and just putting in that time to bring friends home and to arrange play dates, even when they were young. And I've been really fortunate that the friends that they have chosen and gravitated towards have wonderful parents that I love and that have become some of our very best friends. But there have been a couple situations where there was a friend who maybe wasn't such a great influence, but it it was a great time to talk about in life, you're going to work with and learn with and be with people who are different or who make choices that aren't great and just encouraging them to be that leader. Mm -hmm. How often do you think you have had to have those conversations? Because I mean, Henley's in third grade and we have already had, we've had them more this year than ever in the past, because they're kind of, you know, getting their feet under them and figuring out, oh, you know, that person doesn't talk or act the way that I act, but I still like them. But how often should I be around them? You know, we have had these conversations about who is in your inner circle and who's kind of you kind of keep it an arm's length, you still love them and care for them, but they're not your person. But I also don't want to like, beat her over the head with it. Do you know what I mean? I don't want her to get annoyed with it and be like, stop talking to me about my friends. I'm, you know, so how often do you think you kind of talked through that with him? Did you let him come to you more often than not instead of bringing it up? Oh, no, no, no. I, yep. I'm coming to you. We are <laughs> we are talking about it. And sometimes I try to just pick the time when I think they're going to be most receptive, mm-hmm. you know, come to them when they're not in the middle of something they're trying to do. Yeah. But especially as they get older, I found, you know, their friends are having more and more influence. They're spending more time with their friends. And, you know, by the time like my middle schooler, sometimes some of the things I say, you know, they're cringe or they're, you know, he, he is, he's believing me less and less sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm getting less cool. And so I just his have friends a are having a greater influence that. on him. Oh, it's he's true. He's just the best. I can't. Listen, I went to drop them off at school the other morning and I had music playing. Not loud music, not embarrassing music, just music playing in the car. Yeah. Before I could open the door to let them out, no one was around. They were going, mom, mom, shut off the music. Turn it off. Turn it off. Like, you know, heaven forbid people in the community know we listen to music. <laughs> 
So, so it's true. It's true. I'm very uncool. Oh, but I do love the way you talked about social engineering because it's not manipulative, but your kids do need your influence to help them figure out and determine who is a good friend to have close and who's someone that maybe is not someone you want in your inner circle, someone who will have that much of an influence. influence. Yes. Yeah. Be a friend, but you you influence them don't let them influence you yeah which is so hard especially at that age but if we back up to we went straight into middle school because I probably because I'm most scared of that but let's back up to the baby stage okay because you've left that behind I mean obviously what nine your third graders nine or nine nine gosh he's gonna be double digits yeah this summer I know I can't nine feels old to me Henley turns nine next month and I'm like well you're not nine. I know. I mean, you're about to be 10 years old. I, I don't. It's a lot. I don't know what to do. So back up to that baby stage. What would you go back and tell the Kristen who was trying to manage the baby stage in those toddler years, especially because you worked as well, right? So you did both things. What would you go back and tell your 20 something self? I think that something that's really specific to myself mm-hmm. is I love just these these memories. You know, I just treasure every little moment that we yeah. have together. And for the longest time, every night I would spend like two minutes max. I mean, two to five. It wasn't a big commitment, but I would just jot down something that they did from the day. Big, mm-hmm. small, the, the tantrum they threw, you know, something silly that they said. And somewhere along the way, I kind of gave that, I gave that up. So I would tell myself, like, keep, mm-hmm. keep doing that because... I was rereading it not long ago and there was this beautiful moment and Deacon was a baby and he was laying on his floor in the morning and we were playing and he was on his tummy and I had written and just described how the sunlight was coming in. It was just me and him awake and mm-hmm. his little gummy smile and his giggle. And I'd even written the words, I hope I never forget this moment. Mm-hmm. And I forgot it. Yeah. So I would tell myself, keep, keep journaling. But I think maybe a more applicable I love, I do love that answer though, because just the other day, Henley was asking me about how Hagen used to say something and I couldn't remember. We used to say it all the time. I could not remember how he used to say it. And you think you're going to remember everything. I know. And it made me sad. And we were looking through Disney pictures when we went back in 2020 and I thought, gosh, I'd forgotten almost all of this. I wish I had started that sooner of just writing down, Hey, this happened today and it was funny or this was special, whatever. I love that. But, but, but thinking something that may be more applicable I would just tell myself to go a little easier on that first born child. Jackson played soccer for fun, like for the number four, because he was four. He was a baby. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, we didn't have these aspirations of like an elite soccer star, but I yeah. just remember Tate and I being like, you know, get out there, be aggressive, you know, get with the ball. Get, and that's not his personality. He was four years old. And, and then years later, I look back on the pictures of him and I thought, oh my gosh. He was a baby, he was little. you know, like, so I would go back and tell myself, I know why you're doing these things and you just want the best for him and you want to make him be his best, but just go a little easier on that firstborn. Well, let's talk about that firstborn sentiment for a second, because it's all true. We have talked about this before where Henley, if she doesn't score what she wants to score on a test, she beats herself up. If she is at tumbling and she doesn't nail one of the skills she, I don't even have to say anything most of the time. She's already kind of frustrated with herself and can't believe she didn't get it right. She's also my best listener. She follows every rule to mm-hmm. a T. She, you know, like the amount of pressure that they put on themselves. How do you navigate that first point? So you're like, okay, I'm not going to put a ton of pressure on you, but I also want you to try your best. You know, I think as he's gotten older and I've learned that is his personality, right? He is going to be hard on himself. You know, if he's got to be in math, he's he's devastated 
So I know he's doing that to himself. So he doesn't really need me Mm -hmm. to heap that on. What he needs is me to be his encourager and his cheerleader because he's already telling on himself all the Mm -hmm. negative stuff. So I think just knowing him and knowing what he needs me to be Mm -hmm. is kind of how we manage that. Yeah. Well, and two, I like that you brought up sports, even just soccer, because I don't know if it's a generational thing. And maybe it's always been this way. And I'm just now getting into it. But there are heaps amount of pressure on sports, almost from the get go. So how do you help them balance extracurriculars that benefit them, but also don't dominate their whole life, but also it's good for them to be a little busy, but also not their whole life is, you know, where, how did you and Tate kind of decide what that was going to look like? We, you know, we're big believers that if you commit to a team, like we're going to, we're going to see out the season. We tried soccer. It wasn't their thing. Tate and I don't know a lot about soccer either. So, so we finished the season and then we moved on, but we really, you know, if, if they're in something and I'm fighting you to practice or I'm having to beg you to drag the golf clubs out or get the net out or whatever, that's a pretty big indicator that that may not be what you want to do. And we'll have that talk like, Hey, you know, you're not really wanting to practice. Is this what, you know, as long as they're enjoying it and they seem like they're happy and they're willing to work at it, we'll make it work. Tate and I can manage the schedule. Do you, have you had this experience with, you know, Henley, for example, she does gymnastics. She doesn't care to do any competitive sports. I think I told you this earlier, like her direct quote is, I don't want to sweat in public. I mean, she feels that way across the board at gym, at school, all of it. She's not interested in it, doesn't like it, but she does gymnastics and she really very much enjoys it, but she doesn't want to go and above. It's the only thing that she's not trying to get to the next level. She doesn't like one more commitment, but also I know it'd be good for her to try something new where this is just me and me and you literally me asking you what you would do in this scenario. How do you get her to do it in a way that she doesn't resent it? So like before we took the plunge into tackle football, that is a big, huge, you know, time commitment. Yep. We tried flag football, mm-hmm. you know, he loved flag football. So now we're going to do tackle before we, you know, try out and commit to the golf team. He took some golf lessons. We went to the driving range. So I think just kind of like dipping that toe yeah. in a little bit, just seeing what you find a cheer camp mm-hmm. or something kind of, you know, low risk, yeah, low commitment and just see how they respond to it and then go from there and just roll with it from there. That's what we'll have to do because she is very adamant. And I'm like, you have, I just, all of our kids will have a thing. I don't care if it's a sport. I don't care if it's another kind of hobby. I don't care if it's piano or music or theater or whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But you will have a thing that you do. Yeah, right. absolutely. Like outside of schoolwork. And it has been a little tricky figuring out what that is. Like Hagen, anything with a ball he wants to do. So right. that's not hard. But well, that's kind of where we are. We have yes. too many things. Yes. Yeah. Like I mean, all the things we are, we've literally said yes to everything because Hagen hears about it. But he's also just like a good time kind of guy. And so oh, he is. If any, it's fun, he's going to be yeah, there. If it's social and there's people there, sign him up. And so <laughs> anything he hears, he's like, "Are we going to go do that?" But Henley's like, "He's she's like her dad. We have to leave again. Where are we going now? We're not just staying home." <laughs> she does not. She's not. She's not a big fan of that. But you know, as I. In the beginning, setting this up, talking about your boys in particular, just how kind and respectful that they are. Even even so much that I'll sit down with one of them and talk and they will have a conversation with me, which is kind of unheard of for a sixth grader or a third grader to be like, yeah, I'll maintain this conversation. They're the kinds of kids that other parents really want their kids to be friends with. When did you notice, okay, that you were actually shifting from just keeping your kids alive, like we talked about, right, to actually parenting them? 
I don't have like a oh it was this day or sure. this. You don't thing. have a time. You didn't journal a time. I, I did. I quit yeah. journaling by, <laughs> by that time. I guess, but but I have this memory, and Tate and I laugh about it all the time. So Jackson was just this easy baby, easy toddler, just born with desire to please. Yeah. And so when we were pregnant with Deacon, we were doing this class at church. I may have told you this before. Mm-hmm. And the so. the pastor at one point is talking about the book The Strong Willed Child. And I'm watching as all these other parents are like jotting it down and furiously taking all these notes. And Tate kind of looked at each other. We were like, <laughs> you know, look at those suckers right, <laughs> right down this information. Not us, poor people. Not us. You know, we've got this perfect kid at home. It's clear like he's just our stellar parenting. <laughs> well, and then like two years later, I couldn't order the book quickly enough. You know, and so somehow through shaping or prayer or maturity, Deacon has taken that strong will but now he uses it in the right way. It, he's hardworking. He is goal oriented. Mm-hmm. He takes constructive criticism and and just uses it to fuel him. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't, I can't really say what I did or when. But the key here, I think, is just taking like what their God given characteristics and personality is, and helping them use it in the most productive way possible. Yeah. Because you will have to parent differently. I remember how eye opening it was with Hagen. So Henley, similar to Jackson, pretty easy. I mean, she was not hard. I mean, she has a lot of, she had a lot of sass, but Mm -hmm. she still wanted to please. She still wanted to follow all the rules. And then you have Hagen who's like, these feel like suggestions. Like it just feels like maybe you want me to do this. Let's see if I don't do it. What might happen? Right. I mean, we would have to sit. I told someone this other day before we would go into like his preschool stuff. We literally would have to sit in the car and say, okay, here's what we're not going to do today. We're not going to hit. We're not going to push. We're not going to kick, you know, because he just had so much like energy and aggression and he wanted to be everywhere. And we would have to sit in the car every day and he'd have to say it all back to me that we were not going to do these things. And I thought, kindergarten's going to be a nightmare like he is going to be and isn't he just the he best is the best and it truly is figuring out okay the way I parented Henley is not going to work mm-hmm. in parenting Hagen like I've got to try another approach here and yeah. do it differently but also the power of prayer in the lives of our kids with Hagen it's just his like over over the top he loves people and he always wants to be a part of something and then trying to help him to reel it in and regulate that's the key because those things you're saying about Hagen are my favorite things about Hagen Mm -hmm. and what I love so much and how how he contributes to our class it's through those things so I don't want to change any of that or with my own kids Mm -hmm. I want to just channel those things about you and just kind of help shape that into Mm -hmm. you being the best that you can be the way you were created. And I think that's what I've learned over the past year of watching him become almost a different kid where these things that stress me out that I specifically prayed about every single day. God, I like this, this could be great for him. This could be something that benefits him long term, but I don't know how to do this. Watching how God has slowly shifted those things and put people in his life that helped him figure out how to channel these things. And I mean, save for Henley. Henny, like most young girls, just has a lot of feelings, right? And wants to talk about them. And I just like to shove my feelings down in a box. I don't know how to like <laughs> sit in them and talk about them and figure out what to do with them. But I remember my prayer over her was just learning joy and that it's something that we cultivate and and grow in. It's not something that we just expect to happen. And she's a different kid this year than she has been in the past. She has more joy. So the things that felt overwhelming, learning to pray over those things, or that felt like I can't figure out how to do it, and watching how God will kind of meet you and be mm-hmm. like, okay, you do your best, and I'm going to go, I'm going to fill the gaps. I'll fill in the rest. I'll do, yep. I'll take care of the rest. But 
like you said, channeling the things that scare you and the things that feel like I don't know how to parent this. Just like you have to parent different. I feel like you have to discipline different because what will teach uh, something to one kid might necessarily not teach it to the other one, right? So how do you course correct the boys? So when you're thinking to yourself, I've got to help them channel it, or I've got to shape this. This is another way where much to their dismay, I mean, they have a kindergarten teacher as a mom, you know, so we're, we're talking about our feelings and I'm using, do you do the feeling cards? Cause those have been very helpful we in ha- our household. I'm literally about to talk to you about something very similar. I love it. B- but I, I know from professionally speaking that every kid is different and they're going to respond to positive reinforcement and consequence totally differently. What is the same are my expectations, you know, for everybody I have high expectations. And I heard someone say once that having high expectations is a way to show somebody that you love them. Because if I don't care about you, I don't care how you act. I don't care how you Mm -hmm. behave. But I love you enough to want you to be your best. I love you enough that I believe in you and I know that you're capable Mm -hmm. of doing this. So everybody has these same high expectations, but the way I'm going to help you get there may be a little bit, maybe a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And then to speak to the feeling cards, once a kid's mid tantrum or or crying or having some sort of emotional breakdown, like the time for teaching and correction has passed. Mm-hmm. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to process what you're what you're saying. So I do at home. I just try to front load a lot of that behavior management. Yeah. So we talk about like what to do when you're feeling this way or like how to be kind to your brother and how your words make your brother feel. So by the time you're out in the driveway playing basketball and your brother's a big fat cheater, or it's not your night to pick the ambient sounds at bedtime, you have those strategies to fall back on, you know, for how to manage when you're upset or when things aren't going your way. And that's the hope. It doesn't work perfectly all the time, but I, I try to naturally build in those strategies when they're happy and calm yes. so that they can call back to them when they need it. That expectations part that you just said is though that does not change. So no. your behavior might change what you do or don't do might change, but my expectations will not change that consistency. I guess what I've learned parenting is consistency is the thing that creates the healthiest kids and kids want consistency yep. when they don't know if today you're going to fuss about this or not, yep. or, you know, am I allowed to roam around the classroom today? Oh, but then tomorrow I'm not, mm-hmm. they don't feel stable. They don't feel balanced or sure of what's happening. And the same is true. Like at home, kids need consistency and it makes them feel safe. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, this made me think about routines, but I was just thinking we have like a homework stack over there. Right. And so when the kids get home, we pick out what their homework is going to be, like what they're going to work on for a little bit when they get home. Do you have any routines? It's as simple as just like a whiteboard uh, calendar uh, on the fridge. Mm-hmm. I am very laid back, kind of go with the flow, but I also like stability and dependability mm-hmm. and kind of a sense of knowing what's coming. So on the weekends, I just, just fill in. I look at sort of the non-negotiables. Yeah. Like this is where we have to be and mm-hmm. when, and then just sort of build in build in the rest yeah when they come home I know they're all done I've been at school all day so there's that first little bit you just go you go and do whatever you want to do if we're home if we've coming coming straight home and then circling back to homework before Mm -hmm. dinner I really just don't like to get to where it's nine o'clock and we realize there's homework or you know the next morning and you realize Mm -hmm. so a little bit of time to play and decompress 
And then let's come on back. Let's take care of this before it's too late. Yeah, this is very niche, but third grade has rocked my world in homework. Is that, has it you? I mean, you've been through more grades. I was not prepared for the amount of work that has gone in with Henley being, and, and we are in a new school system, so that might be it. I don't know. But I mean, we are doing an hour worth every day of like studying and prepping. Well, and it's, it's, it's rigorous work. I mean, these yep. spelling words are hard and the passages are, are hard. And I don't know about you, but I learned to identify all 50 states on the map along I did. with Deacon I did. this year. Did you learn that? that as well? Learned how as to find well? the area again. Didn't know oh. how to do that. Oh my goodness. Google I, that. I don't even have enough math knowledge to talk to you about yes. <laughs> the third grade math that I've learned this year. That's where Tate comes in. <laughs> yeah. When you're building relationship, because you know, as they get older, that will be the key is having that bond already there so that when you can't force them to talk to you, like right now, we can pretty much force them to, you know, like push them until they will. Are you doing something or are you aware of, or it's more of a consistency thing to build that relationship? Because, you know, you want them to trust you. So how do you protect and grow that over time? Oh, it's, it is very, very intentional. I am really intentional with that relationship building. And I, by spending time with them doing things that they like to do, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to play horse on the mini hoop? Absolutely. I'm just hoping you were at, would ask, want to watch me play Minecraft? Sure. Nothing I'd want to do yep. more, you know, just, mm-hmm. just showing them that I value what they're interested in, mm-hmm. bringing them into what I like. You know, I like music. I like concerts. Yeah. Deacon and I've gone to some concerts. I, I love Harry Potter. I love reading. Jackson and I have read through that and we went mm-hmm. to this Harry Potter themed Airbnb. So just trying to yeah. to plan those sort of shared memories. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't always have to be like you're you're spending money to go to an Airbnb. Throw we throw glow sticks in the pool and have a glow swim. We love that. You know, yep. just anything mm-hmm. that we're building those shared memories and spending yeah. that time together and and just talking. Talking about what they're interested in. I mean, now it's it's NFL and UT basketball stats. I don't know. Yep. I don't know any of that. But I just Google something or they ask a question and then I try to contribute. Yeah. Or when, when Jackson was little, he loved animals. Mm-hmm. So one time we were driving to a basketball game at Gatlinburg-Pittman. So that's a, that's yep. a long drive. Yep. The entire, entire drive, we talked about animals. And I can remember his little voice. We're about like in maybe Pigeon Forge. And he said, and now is the time when we will talk about ocean animals. <laughs> Did I have an hour's worth of animal facts or knowledge or wanderings? No, but it just gave me such a sweet little insight into what was in his heart and in his mind that we talked about animals Mm -hmm. all the way to Gatlinburg Mm -hmm. Pittman. You know, I've noticed with like Henley in particular, Hagen to a degree, but he falls asleep almost as soon as his head hits the pillow. So when we lay together at night, our conversation's very short. short. But Henny will stay up longer. And those are the times that she'll talk like endlessly now probably it's because she don't want to go to sleep but she will tell me so much more about her day and conversations that happen throughout her day things that she didn't understand or things that she wish that were great or that she wish would have been different or when I'm laying in bed with her at night well it's that quiet time yes there's nowhere else to be Mm -hmm. she's got just your ear with nothing else Mm -hmm. you know the distractions of the day yeah it has made a big difference for her and me because that's probably the only time it's I've read something and some a mom called it like getting to look in your window kind of deal. I can't remember what it's called, but that's what she called the end of the day when she would sit down there at night. That's what she would call it. It's like, Hey, give me a peek into your I window. Let me see what your day was like. What did you, you know, that's that. what they would talk about every single time. What have been one or two of your toughest parenting moments? This isn't even about the kids. This is more about myself. Yeah. 
and it's more of a recent thing as the kids have kind of become more aware of other people and yeah. surroundings and what's going on around. I got so almost worried about what are they going to be exposed to when we go out? Like, are they going to hear bad words or words they don't hear at home? Are they going to see people behaving in a way that they've not been exposed to at home? Or, you know, I told you the story of a, an obscene bumper sticker mm-hmm. that we that we saw almost to the point where I was like, well, you know, I don't want to take him to that game because you just don't know what's happening there. Right. Yep. And so having to kind of get to the place of like, stop, I don't want them, nor is it healthy for them to live in this bubble of non-exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, the key would be to just teach them how to be that leader and to be around people doing all sorts of different things, mm-hmm. but continue to behave and to act the way that you that you know is yeah is right and you know we're not called to worry about what everybody else is doing or saying you just reflect Jesus to people who are watching you so that that as they've been more aware and just kind of looking around was something that I sort of had to work through mm-hmm. yeah I have had to get in the habit they can almost expect an apology from me when I have an overreaction absolutely like, I want them to expect it and to know I can't call out behavior in you and then turn around and give the same behavior. I can't tell you not to talk to me that way, but then I talk to you in a way that's not honoring or kind to you either. I think of that all the time. Someone once said like, you know, you can't yell at your kids in the morning and then say, have a great day at school or, Mm -hmm. you know, yell at your kids at night and say, well, good night, Mm -hmm. sweet dreams. And I try to be hyper aware of that. Like they see the way I speak to them. They see the way I speak to Tate and Mm -hmm. to others. Mm -hmm. And and that's where they're learning. That's where they learn how to to treat people. And so I think that's very important. We've talked about that. The kids and I have talked about it quite a bit just because, you know, mornings are stressful. Probably there is a, I'm going to say like a, 58% 58% chance on any given morning, I'm going to lose my ish because it's just, Ryan's already gone to work. And so it's me and the baby and the two kids. And, you know, this week, for example, Holt's teething. And so I'm holding Holt with one arm and because he don't want to be put down and doing everything else with one hand, right? And so I'm strung real thin. And if I look and they don't have their shoes on, all of a sudden it's no longer, hey, will you put your shoes on? It's like, put your shoes on. You know, like I can just, it, it we've all been there. Absolutely. Very quickly. And And it's in the car on the way there. If I apologize, I try to be so specific about what I'm apologizing for, because that's how I want them to apologize if they have to is not just a sorry, but hey, I'm sorry that I spoke that way. And here is why I feel conviction over that is this reason, you know, so that they can recognize it in themselves when they need to apologize as well building that awareness but then i still leave very guilty that i have you oh know, my goodness ripped yes. into them but yes. gotcha. still like the worst parent in the whole world when i'm I a real that. slow burn i'm just i feel like i'm super easy going until i'm not yep. you know and it takes a while and it's quick but then i have to say listen i'm so sorry that is not how i should have responded in that moment uh, but I also have a quicker temper than ryan ryan's very even keel and you are going to get a reaction out of me way faster than you'll get one out of Ryan. And there's not like you can see Hagen's eyes are so expressive. You can see it in his eyes when he's like, I've gone too far. I know I've gone too far. There was the line. (laughs) And I'm over it. But also, do you feel like you and Tate parent differently? Yes. Like this is (laughs) thank you. Yes, I do. (laughs) Because Ryan and I talk about this all the time. He's harder on Hagen than he is on Henley. I'm opposite where 
Hagen just has to look at me and I'm like, you know what? It does not matter that you just burnt half the house down. You are great. I love you, you know, but I've just noticed in terms of what we decide to major on is different. And then having to back him up on what he's majoring on. Oh. That I would not major on. Oh, and I mean, and listen, he could say the same about me, but there yeah. have been so many times that something's gone on and, and he's kind of taken the, the lead and, and I'm listening to him laying down the <laughs> what I think are the craziest consequences. And, you know, in the name of, of showing them a healthy marriage, I'm nodding along like, uh-huh, yeah, I Because you have to. I you can't be divided dad. in front of the kids. No. And later I'm like, what in the world was that about? So, so yeah, we, we do. I mean, and I'm sure I drive him crazy because I'm like, all right, let's talk about our feelings. And, you know, why did we do that? What can we do differently next time? And so, so I know I'd probably drive him crazy with that. Very different. But it's so funny. I mean, or if like Ryan doles out a punishment. And inevitably, this probably happens at your house. The kids will bring that punishment to me to see what I think about it. If I'm not in the same room or if I ha- was not there, they're like, well, dad said this is what ha- what happens. I have to go to my room for this long or I can't do this. And they're asking me to trump it. And, and you're like, oh, dip to your room. You go right I'm, on. There. I'm trying to like school my features because sometimes I'm like, what the heck is your dad doing? And but then, <laughs> yeah, I, I support him. We're on the same page. And I'm thinking, what is going I know. on? That literally just last week, um, Hagen came in and was like, dad said I couldn't do this. And I thought, this is silly. I think it was something like he couldn't go out and play basketball. If it's a pretty day, go outside and play basketball. And I told Ryan, I said, Ryan, we come in here a second. Hey, you're punishing me by not letting him go play basketball. Like this oh, is- Tate has taken away electronics for a week <laughs> yes. on a winter break. And I thought, who's in trouble? Me or the kids? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with all these hours? Going out the craft box <laughs> and the board game. Going to the library for the read along. I mean, <laughs> yes, but I asked Ryan to come in there and I was like, okay, I need you to back out of that punishment. We need to pick something else. But you have to do it because if I go do it, it looks like I'm trumping you. So we have to rework all the punishment so the kids don't know that we are in disagreement, you know. But I'm just like, I need you to go back out and say, you know what? I've thought about it. We're going to do something different. Okay. Think about what might be some of the best parenting advice that you have gotten over the years. Oh, oh, this is easy. Okay. The best thing I have ever done for myself is to read the book and work through the devotional of Mom Set Free. Hmm. It is, there. there's there's so much content that I, I couldn't unpack the whole thing, but I struggle so much with mom guilt. Yeah. And I know that's a pretty common mm-hmm. thread, but but I just, I just put so much pressure on myself to do everything and be everything and make mm-hmm. sure you're cooking dinner and packing good lunches and make sure you're scheduling play date, but then time at home and that you're having family nights and reading together mm-hmm. and doing homework. And then if I drop one ball, I, I'm so hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of the overarching principle of this series is that I don't have to be enough because Christ is enough mm-hmm. and they don't need me to be the perfection of Christ. They just need to see me in the pursuit mm-hmm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it has really like let me lay down that guilt and to see that that's not what I've been called to carry. I'm mm-hmm. not called to carry that burden. And that as long as they just see me like authentically pursuing, and that means they see me get it right and they see me get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And when I get it wrong, that's where his grace comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That has been life changing. Yeah. Well, that, you know, it's funny you say that because mom guilt is still, even with 
women in particular who just have babies, like they've just had their first baby. And I literally was saying this to a mom in my small group this week, because she said, you know, I get in the car and I'm like, I kind of suck at everything. I'm not doing anything great. I'm, you know, beating yourself up. And I just feel like it's the enemy's number one way in because it happens before you're even really doing a ton as a mom. You're always doing a ton as a mom. Let me correct that. But before you're even actually parenting, it's almost as soon as the baby's born, you're like, should, are they getting enough milk? I'm not producing enough milk. Or if you're doing formula, it's like, I'm not breastfeeding. I should have been breastfeeding. You know, it's immediate or I'm not home enough. I'm not holding the baby enough. I'm holding the baby too much. The baby's not on a schedule. Oh, the baby's I'm too rigid with the schedule. It is everything. I didn't, I didn't understand until the very beginning. And like you said, so Jackson's birth was, was very traumatic, yeah. you know, an emergency C- C- C-section. Um, I had to be put to sleep. So I wasn't, even awake until he was a few hours Mm -hmm. old Mm -hmm. and I beat myself up over it. Mm -hmm. I felt so guilty. I had no control over it. I mean, there was, it was totally out of my control. It was what was in his best interest to save his life, Mm -hmm. to get him out so quickly. They had to put me to sleep. I couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I got to him as quickly as humanly possible. It was a few hours later and I was totally out of it. And the nurse came in and she said, you know, when, whenever you are ready to stand up, you know, tomorrow and we can get you in a chair, you can go see him. And I said, so as soon as I can get in a wheelchair, I can go see him. And she said, yes. And she left the room. I said, get me a wheelchair. Yeah. And you know, I got myself up. And, and so I know, I know now that I did everything I could, but from the second he was born, mm-hmm. there comes the guilt. Yeah. It's just, it is, a hundred percent the enemy's number way in number one way in and it doesn't go away unless you're actively and training your thoughts you know we're going to take that thought captive and we're not going to allow it to live because that's not how Jesus would talk to us and if Jesus wouldn't talk to us that way we're not going to talk to ourselves that way and and then I think about the small guilt part and how I beat myself up and I'm thinking this is not how Jesus wanted me to be a mom. No, no. I mean, and like I keep saying, I'm not supposed to be perfect. And it takes these beautiful blessings, which are our children and and turn it into something that's like a weapon against Mm -hmm. ourselves. And and so I, Mm -hmm. I do, I struggle with that even still, but, but the principles in this book have really, really spoken to me. And it's called mom set free. Mom set free. Yeah. Yep. Would you, this might answer that question, but what's been the hardest thing to learn as a parent? Okay, so that's sort of similar. One thing, and and let me just start by saying, like, I totally believe in self-care. Yeah. That you have to be your best self and, and have to be taken care of before you can care for others. Mm-hmm. But something that kind of guides my philosophy as a mom is I always say to myself, in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, when I'm sitting here in this quiet house, will I be thinking, you know, I really wish I'd done one more load of laundry mm-hmm. or I wish I'd spent... 10 more minutes scrolling TikTok, or am I going to say, I really wish Deacon would ask me to go for one more bike ride or Jackson would crawl up on the couch and talk to me about his day. And I know the answer is always going to be the boys. Mm -hmm. So I think just that lesson of being present. And when I say this, it's true. I enjoy the good moments. I enjoy the bad moments. Mm -hmm. I just relish in it all because I know this is, this is the only time I have them at this age, you know, every Every day. And so uh, there's a quote that I love and it says, it sometimes makes me tear up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. I'm going to cry. It, it's, it says, someday I'll look back and I'll say I blinked and they were grown. So I hope to also say, but I saw it all. I soaked it in. I was there for it. And it was great. Mm-hmm. And that, that lesson to me has just been mm-hmm. 
It is so important. Well, it's, and it's like you said, I will get find myself getting worked up about cleaning up the house or I will put off stuff with them because I want to unload the dishwasher or whatever. And I'll never forget Jenny, my friend Jenny. She said, Kelly, those things just aren't important to me right now. Like the time with them is what's important to me right now. So if those have to sit there, that's okay. I mean, that's not, that's not going to impact them. They probably don't even notice the dishes in the sink. Like, right. You know, like this is what's important to me now is that we're going outside and doing something or we're taking Absolutely. that walk or we're going on that trip. That is more important to me. And there are things that have to be done. And I know that I mm-hmm. acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But if, if I have a choice, I just always want my choice to be the boys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. You know how we end every episode, and I think I forgot to remind you of this question of how we end. What is one thing that you're so happy someone did tell you about? This can be anything. It's just something you do right now, something you really enjoy, something you've watched, something you've read, something, a drink you've ordered, whatever it might be. Okay. This is easy because there are two things that I'm loving right now. Yeah. Number one, lazy readers. Do you know what those are? Are they where like you don't have to hold your head up or something? Yes. (laughs) They are glasses. And they have the most ridiculous looking, like triangular mirrored lens that sticks up off of the glasses so that at night in bed, I can lay flat comfortably on my back and just hold my book in a leisurely way and see it. Or if we're watching something, I can watch across. It is the most life-changing thing ever. Do you know that I've seen also uh, along that same vein, a something that holds your book open for you so you don't have to hold it like this and like your pinky get tired? I feel like I would have to choose that or the lazy okay, readers. That's true. You know, I you think like, I just it's can't. Fair. Can you imagine if I were to do both? I can't even hold open my own book or hold my own head up. But I stand by the lazy readers. I would encourage everyone to purchase them. They're cheap. It was like $15 for two on Amazon. Get them. Gosh. Tate loves them. I bet. I honestly, I bet he loves walking in yep. every night. He's like, and oh, you and there are the readers again. <laughs> and green noise. It's like white noise, but has sort of a more nature it's not kind of so abrasive. It's what I listen to at night Do to you? sleep. Yes. Very just like deep We very much sleep. play the three hour loop of white noise. That's what we Look up green do. noise. Do you know there's like pink noise and huh. brown noise and. No. Yes. They have all the colors. I think, I think green is the best. It's very nature-y, but not what like water. Are there birds and stuff? No, it's just kind of reminiscent of like waves, but not, there's no pattern. So you're not looking for the pattern in the waves or the pattern in the rain, which I sometimes do. Yes. Yeah. I see what you're saying. What about, does it sound like leaves? My favorite sound, and Ryan makes fun of me for this, doesn't make fun, but he just thinks it's a very specific thing that I love. I love the sound of the wind moving through the trees. Is it like that? There are notes of that. (laughs) (laughs) I would say notes of wave Mixed with notes of leaves in trees. <laughs> and rain. A little bit of rain in there. With like a splash of rain. And maybe some thunder every now and again just to mix it up so there's to no pattern. Yeah. <laughs> I just, what I really want to do is push you to describe what the nature-esque noises were. Because <laughs> in my head I'm hearing birds chirp. I'm hearing no, no, morning, no, no. morning sounds. Very relaxing. Very. And you sleep to that. Yes. Does Tate, like, does it's loud enough for Tate to hear as well? I love accessories. So I have the super comfortable headphone headband. So it's not uncomfortable to sleep in. It looks like a a headband you're going to wash Let's just picture this for a second. Tate walks in. You're already in bed. I'm already in bed. You've got your headband on. Lazy readers on. You've got your lazy (laughs) headphone headband on. And he 
And he thinks, that's my girl. That's my lady. Yep. <laughs> that's her. He actually thinks, I did not think this would be the case when we were 16 and I picked her. <laughs> if, if I had known, I probably still would have made the same decision, but I just, I didn't think it'd look like this. This is great. No. With the lazy readers and the, head, the sleep headband. Does it go over your eyes? No, it's like like if you're washing your face. Okay. Like think of that kind of that's the style. It's Why very, not just turning on turn it on in the room, like on? on he like, doesn't like it. Trying oh, to be respectful. Oh, that is respectful. Mm. Um, why does he not like it? He just he just likes a quiet. He likes room. silence. See, I can't sleep in silence anymore because I'm so used to the kids' noise machines. I don't yeah, sleep in silence where I need a little sound. Yeah, or I know. Too. Ryan does too. Ryan will turn it on. Like it's oh. great because I used to go to sleep with the TV on. So to like. Real Housewives on in the background. It's very soothing mm -hmm. as well. Um, well, and he's watching like, you know, Jack Ryan or something where it's like <laughs> explosions and gunfire and yelling. It's and exactly what we should all be watching before bed. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I great. put the headband on. <laughs> Kristen, I love you so much. This is such a good time. You're like a pro now, like a, a professional podcaster, I'd say at this point. I think we've exhausted my areas of expertise. So <laughs> Before we it. hit record, she said, this is the last I think I've got in me. I don't know. Teaching you, and parenting. That's, teaching, that's all I got. Parenting. It's great. No, listen, the next one will be about caring for an electric bicycle. I feel like no one really has told you how to do that. They haven't. Yeah. See? So okay. we're <laughs> all right. See you. See you next week, everyone. See you next week.